Hey, it's Jeff McNichol down here at Mom's Music, 1900 Melwood Avenue. I was just thinking, when I was a kid, the magic was at Frankfurt Avenue, the Mom's Music at Frankfurt Avenue, and I used to beg people to get a ride down there just to hang out with the guys and see all the cool gear. Now that I'm the owner of this store, it's like a dream come true. We're recreating the magic with the vibe that we used to have at the old store. We're carrying all the gear that you're going to possibly want. We're giving you the outstanding service and personal attention that you deserve. Yeah, so we've got the great guitar shop here. We're carrying USA Fender, USA Gibson, Paul Reed Smith, Gretsch, Jackson, Charvel, anything you could possibly want. We're going to have it for you. Mom's is and always will be Louisville's music store. Thank you for tuning in to The Metal Forge. I am Mark Jackson, and I am your host. The premise of the show is pretty simple. Awesome interviews and awesome music. If you want to contact me, hit me up at MetalForgeRadio at gmail.com or visit the website, MetalForgeRadio.com. And now, let's get this show on the road. What's going on, Metalheads? Thank you for tuning in to The Metal Forge. I'm your host, Mark Jackson. It's Friday, January 8th, 2021. And you know, just when we uh, thought 2020's crazy bullshit was over, guess what? Here we are, all crazy again. Raging fucking crazy. (laughs) Who would have thought, right? If you're outside the United States, you know, flip it on CNN, get your popcorn ready, because you've got a ticket to the shit show right now. And you, you don't have to be there in person, so... But I'm not going to spend really any real time talking about that shit other than the fact of, hey, if you've seen John Schaefer from Iced Earth, you might want to call the FBI because they got a $1,000 reward for any uh, info leading to his whereabouts. Because if you haven't seen, he partook in the insurrection coup, that bullshit that happened earlier in the week, and they want his ass. So anyway, <laughs> what a dumb dick. Um <laughs> Uh, on a more serious note, I want to take a moment of silence for Alexi Leho of Children of Bodom. 41 is way too young to die. And, you know, I understand it was some health issues and so on and so forth over the last few years. Um, but 41 is still way too fucking young to die. And I'm not that old yet. I'm not far from it. So it always makes me question my own mortality at some point. And, you know, it's definitely difficult out there. And if there's anybody that needs any help, needs anybody to talk to, you know, shoot the Metal Forge a message. I'll reply back to everything. Uh, It may not be immediately. might take a few hours. might take a day or two. Uh, But I always reply back to everybody. You can hit me up on uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, MetalForgeRadio at gmail.com. You know, if you need anybody to talk to, you can always hit me up. Because we're all in this together. And I think I've tried to stress that a lot over the last year. So here's a moment of silence to Alexi Leho. Rest in peace, brother. We will meet again soon. Going into 2021 here, um, 
really fast. I am actually working with a record store where we're going to start curating here in Louisville an actual independent metal section. So many of these cool fucking bands we're going to be able to get into our own brick and mortar record store I'm excited for. So uh, if you're in the Louisville area, look up uh, and go to Better Days Records. We're working on that. So cool. Uh, shout out to all the other sponsors. Mom's Music, Maxwell's House of Music, The Wrestling Steve Show, Tattoo Charlie's, Kentucky Hot Brown Pedal Boards. You guys are fucking awesome. Thank you to the Patreon subscribers. Uh, you guys fucking kick ass. And to all of you who listen week in, week out, who suggest new bands, thank you so much. So today I have Soul Grinder from Portland on the line. Holy crap. Got him on hold right now. We're going to play a song. We're going to get with him. Uh... I've been listening to this band for a while now, and I'm excited to actually feature them on the show. That whole Portland scene, you know, with Unto Others, Silver Talon, it's all fucking awesome shit. And, like, this Black Thrash stuff, you know, if you're into Wraith, uh, you're going to love this band because they're fucking awesome. A super sweet three-piece power trio from the Portland area. I mean, there's really not much else I can say other than the fact that they're fucking great. Uh, so, why don't we just listen to some and you'll be able to find out for sure. This is Kill, Maim, and Burn by Soul Grinder.
All right, Metalheads, I am being joined on the line right now with Soul Grinder from the Portland area, and I have, I think, everybody here, April, Kevin, and Alex. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Awesome. How are you guys doing amidst uh, the new year and everything? Uh, doing well, hanging in there, living. <laughs> right. Uh, survived another one. Yeah, uh, hopefully this one's better than the last. Uh, as they say, it can only Yeah, go- we're looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely. It can only go up from here, right? I hope yeah. so. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Three piece. I would kind of say like a black and thrash. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we kind of. It's funny for the like longest time, we just kind of went. We're a heavy metal band, and we just like would write the songs and just kind of play. The sound just kind of defines itself from there. Right on. Well, I mean, you know. That's what Lemmy used to do with Motorhead. They were a rock and roll band forever, and then they were, you know, exactly. everybody said they were metal. So I get that. Yeah, we didn't. Yeah, we didn't know. Like we didn't know our sound until people started like putting uh, like definitions on it. We're like, oh, I guess so. Yeah, that's. I guess that's what that is. <laughs> right on. Yeah, it's been really interesting to hear uh, what people have said about our music and what they think it sounds like. Um, one we've gotten a lot is Doom Thrash, which I think is pretty interesting. Wow. I. That's inter- that is interesting. I I wouldn't I don't know if I would necessarily say doom thrash. I mean, honestly, what is doom thrash? Yeah, yeah. I, I know it's a it's a whole new uh, it's a whole new thing. <laughs> We're not trying to be genre definers or anything, but I think that's like a <laughs> that's an interesting title. <laughs> so you have a full length album out. Came out in 2019 called The Prophecy of Blight. What's going on after that? I mean, because that's been out for for quite some time now. Are we doing more stuff? I mean, how how is this panning out? Yeah, so uh, we have almost an entire new full-length album ready to go. Um, I started writing uh, riffs for it last October. And, uh, you know, with the Prophecy of Blight, I think all three of us, we, we like, put so much pressure on ourselves because we're like, this is going to be our first full-length. And it, like, at the same time, we were playing a ton of shows. So we were able to test those songs out, like, as they were being written. So with this one, we have uh, almost 10 songs ready to go for a new album. And, uh, you know, we're getting that ready for sometime maybe around the end of the year. We're not quite sure yet, but we're really liking the direction things have gone. Um, and I know the reaction to the Prophecy of Light have, like, really helped give us, like, a boost that <laughs> that I think we needed to kind of propel all of our new material forward. Definitely. You know, listening to it through the Bandcamp page and everything like that, it's really fucking good. And I mean... Uh, Thank you. I think I think everybody needs to actually, you know, when I when I do the show, I put out there that hey, these bands are independent bands. Yeah, we might have some people on here who are already established, but you know, it's bands like you that make the scene still possible. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, I think we're just like <clears throat> because we're fully independent. You know, I do like a lot of the engineering stuff. April does the art, and Kevin does a lot of the visuals and the the writing of the lyrics. You know, having almost real no net of like a label below us for us it was just like almost fly by the seat of our pants because we really did not know how it was going to go it was also fully self-funded and all that so to see the reaction um that we've gotten is is been like incredible and uh like we're really appreciative of the response that we've gotten from everyone about it absolutely yeah definitely and the artwork you know really fast is absolutely amazing it's that neon color you know, complete eighties awesomeness. And I love it. Oh yeah. That's my jam. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. I absolutely love it from the, the, the greens, you know, on previous shows, I've talked to bands that have like a, a nice green, like skull 
look on their cover. I'm like, dude, that fucking is awesome. <laughs> and <laughs> I feel the same way about this too. And it's, it's awesome. I can't really, I don't even know that I can describe it without actually, you know, just like say, Hey, look at this. <laughs> yeah. so, there's, a, there's a lot going on. I do all our, uh, all our t-shirt designs too. So oh, awesome. it's, it's all, it's all just us doing everything. We did hire, uh, Joel Grind to master our album. Um, that was who we, for the Prophecy of Blight, who we were like, okay, let's put our money into actually like making this sound super polished and nice. And I think that was like, a, that was a really good, uh, choice. Um, to go with that because we only we can only go so far with our own abilities. And I've had this kind of conversation off the record with some other bands as well. I think that's one thing that you have to give it to somebody else to let them listen to it to to get your ears off of it for just a minute. To totally, you know, yeah, it's so important. It's, it's like so hard to even know if our music is good <laughs> in the process. We're like, okay, it's done, but like. I don't even know what to do anymore. Like, of course we think it's that, like we were like, okay, yeah, this is good. Ready to go. But then like, like you said, like having someone else's ears on it is, is, it's invaluable. It's like having a consultant almost. Definitely. You just get another perspective. And I think that's the whole thing too, with like working with a producer is that thing is you have to have somebody around that you can bounce the idea off of. The the new question I've kind of put into the the set here is, who do you lean on outside of the band to get a neutral opinion? We have, thankfully, living in Portland, we're pretty centrally located in Portland, which is nice. And since moving here, we've met so many people in so many different bands. And it's really nice to have all our friends be musicians and it's really great to like we're friends with um, idle hands or unto others now and right. bewitcher and leather bitch. Like those are our homies. So we can really like, and, and our friends are, we're all kind of, you know, supportive of each other and want us all to do the best we can do. So it, there's always just real, everyone's always sharing like, information with each other about like what they're doing and like our friends are pretty open nobody's like i find really super secretive of their knowledge like it's it's nice to be friends with people who are being successful at what they're doing and they're they're years ahead of us and we can say oh my god like we could actually get to that level like it's it's possible like okay <laughs> right in playing live shows too with these bands i mean the witcher was nice enough to take us out on tour a couple times which was just like endlessly beneficial to us and i mean i remember i used to have this piece in my rig which was like a you know an ibanez tube screamer and uh matt who's their singer slash guitar player he was just like just take that out of your rig man like i can hear you better when you don't have it i'm like all right man i trust your opinion and so like especially when we get to like play live they'll like tell us you know, they'll, they'll bounce ideas off of us, and we're very receptive to that. Definitely, and I think that's the professionality between bands. A lot of misconception is, in your own individual music scene, everybody thinks that it's a competition. And everybody views it as a competition for the most part, and it's not a competition. Bands advance and, and everything at their own rate and implode at their own rate, if that's the case. Some, think, mm -hmm. some, some people aren't just meant to go out on the road and tour, you know? Some people can't be uh, road dogs, you know? Yeah, and I think a big thing to kind of bounce off that is, you know, uh, I mean, for for the three of us, 
like we're we're you know around 30 or older than 30 like we know what it's like to not have a band to not have a scene we are we all moved here from northern california you know at different times but like the scene in places like sacramento is nothing compared to portland and the perspective that i've kind of gained is like if you're able to have a band if you're able to do anything with that band, if you're able to even play a show, uh, and well, nowadays, it's like, if you're able to make releases or anything like that, you are successful. And from there, it's just defining your own success further than that. Right. It's different now than it was 50 years ago in the, in the rock and metal scenes. Mm-hmm. Because everybody yeah. then was all touring and releasing constantly. And now, you know, you might get a tour a year, if that. Yeah. But if you if put... That. If you, if you, I've always said content is king. And the more content you can put out, the more good content you can put out, the, the farther <laughs> I think you will go. Yeah. And especially uh, now, given the, you know, the climate with COVID and everything, I think every band, you know, bands that maybe had relied heavily on touring before have had to switch gears um you know thankfully kevin and april are incredibly creative people who latched on the idea of making music videos and things like that so for us like you know we were getting ready to do a lot of touring last year and for us i felt like it was just like a natural switching of the gears to be like all right new album and visual stuff and more content you know getting ready to push out definitely and it's one of those things that you know you talk about your scene Absolutely. And I've seemed to have had a ridiculous, I've jumped from one side of the country to the other pretty frequently since, you know, talking to a lot of bands this past year. And that's the Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania area has a great metal scene. And then the Portland area has a mm-hmm. great metal scene. And it's like, I've constantly went back and forth. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like for us, it's like a blessing. Like we were so, when we first started playing our first shows, um, you know, back in like 2017, we were like, playing gigs to crowds we didn't have to do pay to play we didn't have to sell tickets to our families or anything like that and it was like whoa and there's other really good bands like when we first played with savage master and bewitcher we were like whoa these bands are really good and we know like you know lady beast out there in pittsburgh like they're an awesome band and i know they've got a really happening scene out there oh yeah and we look forward to like one day going heading out there you know, and checking that scene out. For sure. Uh, Deb was on the show last year and completely awesome person. Oh, yeah. You know, they had just put out Vulture's Amulet and when, when she was on. And, yeah, very happening scene. And it's funny you say the Bewitcher and Savage Master show because Adam's an awesome cat from Savage Master. Oh, Every, yeah. Everybody in that band is awesome. Actually, no. uh, yeah. I haven't met any of the people in Bewitcher, so. Great dudes. Yeah, no, they're, they're the best. Oh, my gosh. Those guys are so much fun. Hell, yeah. And just they've, they've been really uh They've been huge in supporting us. Like I've done three different pieces of art. I'm looking out on my wall right now for Bewitcher. Um, and they just got signed to Century Media. So we're like super proud of, of what they've done. They were on tour. They were touring most of the year when we met them and started playing with them. Like they were just constantly on the road and they've worked so hard. So it's so great to see that. Definitely. They're, they're doing it. They're doing it. <laughs> I think of things when people go out on tour and there's a movie called Get Thrashed, if you've never seen it. It's a documentary that was produced by uh, Rat Skates. And they talked to Gary Holt in there about why do you... Uh, I'm pretty sure it was Gary Holt. I haven't seen it for a while. But they're like, why do you have all the breaks in your work history? And it's like, well, because we get a job for two months and then go back out on tour for three or four. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, yeah, I totally get it. So Yeah, that's a, that's a really... 
it's so wild us. We've never had to do that. We almost did that. We almost went to like leaving the job, but we've all three of us have been in jo- uh, jobs up until uh, last year long term. So we were never really like in the food industry or the service industry. So we were kind of like heading out on tour was going to be like, oh shit, we got to like maybe put a pause on like working at our long-term jobs. And it was a little intimidating to be honest. Oh, absolutely. But we were, we were ready like to pull the trigger if we, you know, were getting, we were getting ready to pull the trigger on that kind of thing. Understandable. Also, touring is a lot of fun. (laughs) Touring is a blast. Right. It is, but it, it, I, I see what April's saying here. It's very, very daunting. It's a daunting decision to have to sit there and say, okay, I've been at this job for, you know, five, six, eight years and be okay. Well, here goes nothing. <laughs> and, and yeah. Yeah. And especially, you know, especially like last year with COVID and everything, I know, I know bands that have been in the, the, like the food service industry that absolutely killed, you know, where, where, you know, in Louisville, they shut down everything except for, uh, you know, like delivery services and, you know, you couldn't go in anywhere. It really hurt some of my friends who are in bands. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've seen that up here too in Portland and it's just like, it's just so rough. And like, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine who's in a band down in LA and like, he said a story like similar to yours where it's just like everything has been shut down. The food service is shut down. Like, you know, musicians were relying on particular types of jobs because of the types of jobs you can have as a musician. I mean, I've, I've had plenty of job interviews in my time where they're like, Oh, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm a musician. And they're like, Oh, this is a good conversation. We'll, uh, not call you back. Like, okay, all right, well, you know, but like, I mean, right now is really tough. And I think it was metal, especially for like the last 20, 30 years, it's been almost entirely like community supported. Oh, and because, because that community is like so strong, like I do feel like metal, you know, in metal shows and things like that, venues, bars that are passionate about the music, it's going to bounce back. Um, you know, we didn't have like giant record labels funding all the bands. And I think looking at how difficult the lifestyle can be, like, I think there's definitely a level of toughness that everybody has to just persevere, you know, because right. we're all just so passionate about it. Oh, absolutely. I agree with that. And like you said, to hit on this again, was the, uh, the no major record labels. I've always said the big four are a big four for a particular reason. And it's also because of that. They're the yeah. only four mm-hmm. that really have major label support. I mean, yeah, Atlantic had like Testament for a while, but still when it, when it was in the metal game, they didn't put no money into it. Right. And I think too, like we look at the albums that those big four, you know, came out with, you know, everybody loves Metallica's first four, maybe five albums, depending on your perspective. For me, Slayer's first four or five albums I absolutely love, but like, you look at what happened in the 90s, and it's like, there is definitely big label pressure being told like, hey, you guys have to change your sound, you have to be more grunge, or in the late 90s, hey, you guys gotta be more new metal, and like, I've heard Diabolus in Musica, that Slayer album, yeah, (laughs) so it felt like that was, the major label was really telling them that from us. Right. And that was always my argument with that as well is you can look at pretty much any of those four bands and people always shit on the Metallica side of it about the first four albums, Slayer, Megadeth and Anthrax are pretty much the same thing. Because after that, after those first four albums, you know, like Anthrax, Fistful of Metal and, you know, that early stuff fucking is awesome. You get into like the John Bush era stuff and it's all different. So 
I, I agree. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I finally, like, listened to John Bush era Anthrax, and I was like, whoa, this is almost, I don't want to say alternative, but it was very, very different than oh. what I was used to with Anthrax. Yeah, very much. It is massively different. And, you know, the Megadeth thing is the same way when you get into the late 90s for Dave. I would almost be... Yeah. I'm almost going to say, like, Euthanasia on is with Megadeth. Yeah, and it's like, you know, uh, an interesting thing I noticed about Megadeth, like, the way Dave Mustaine wrote songs on those early albums, including Rest in Peace, he writes riffs in such a weird way, and his song structures are so unorthodox. Right. Um, like, I think Wake Up Dead, you know, it starts with the riff, and then it goes into that breakdown riff, then, like, a verse and lead. But then once you hit Countdown, it was almost like a producer or something like that was like, hey, try more like traditional song structures. Right. And no matter how many lengths of time, like, you know, Megadeth, they have quote unquote kind of gone back to metal starting with The System Has Failed. But he's always kind of, he's never like gone back to his old style of like composition. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm not a fan of Risk. I respect what he tried to do. And I've just kind of fallen out of interest with Megadeth. But like, you know. I still hold Davis as a good songwriter, but there is definitely like, I feel those big label influence changes put there. Cause they're like, you got to have a hit. You got to win a Grammy. You got to do this. Right. Which is why you get the album, like super collider. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That one. <laughs> I saw them on that tour with, uh, with Maiden and was just like, what? Why are you playing this shit, dude? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I remember, like, Risk almost ruined them, and then, like, I went back, like, a couple months ago, I don't know why, and I listened to The World Needs a Hero, and I was just like, man, this sounds like a broken band. I would have thought that they, they had learned their lesson, or Dave Mustaine had, like, learned his lesson and just, like, just stay on the metal track, endgame, you know what, had, had some good songs on it. And I think it's just that temptation to reach that Metallica acceptance or like Metallica level of success right? Um, there or like to try and win a Grammy. And uh, yeah, I, that one throws me off. <laughs> well, which that same time period, people were starting to come around again. And then, then that's when they did like the big four tour and are like, oh, they're friends. Yeah. They're friends again. So I think that's a big pressure point for that too. Uh, oh, they were probably uh, like like offered a truck load of money oh, yeah. for all of those shows. Oh yeah, very much. I mean, they only they didn't do that many, but I guarantee you know because they played at Yankee Stadium and and shit like that. So, but enough about all those bands and everything. Um, let's take a real quick break. We're gonna come right back and let's hear some more about Soul Grinder. Since 1973, Tattoo Charlie's has been an established body modification studio in Kentucky. Featuring world-renowned artists and piercers, currently with locations on Preston Highway and in Lexington. A staple point in the tattoo community. Learn more at TattooCharlie's.com. Set up your appointment today at 7904 Preston Highway. Our tattoos are done while you wait. Hey, it's Mark Maxwell at Maxwell's House of Music. Listen, all this stuff is now available to purchase on our website. Check it out at maxwellshouseofmusic.com. We carry all the top brands, like Fender. We got Gibson. We also have basses. We've got ukuleles. We've got drums. We've got sound gear. We've got keyboards. With COVID happening and everything last year, kind of put the brakes on your all's touring schedule and stuff like that. And you got to write some new uh, songs almost to a new album. 
are you actually doing the recording yourself this time again or so, are you going somewhere else? So, um, you know, every time we've done a recording, you know, with Terraflesh, we learned some very valuable lessons. For the Prophecy of Light, we've learned some very valuable lessons. Um, so the plan is we're doing drones in a studio. And then um, because I think really we ran into uh, – some issues here when it came to recording drones. I mean, Kevin soldiered through it and he did an amazing job. Um, but we're like, you know, man, we're going to take this to a studio. If I have to engineer it, I will. Um, and then April and I work so well together, jumping back and forth when it comes to doing bass and vocals. Like I record those and then my guitars, I record those myself. So it's going to be kind of a mixture of a studio and at home. And I think, um, it, you know, the amount of studio time, we know it's probably not going to be the super cheapest thing in the world, but I think we're ready and just willing to make that kind of investment. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. everything has yeah. been so readily available for you to do that. Like, you know, like the focus right material, uh, material that's came out in the last few years have made it super easy for musicians to record at home. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's like, it's uh, funny enough, we've recorded on this uh, Focusrite Sapphire Pro 40, and that has been an amazing, you know, little interface. I upgraded my interface because, like, I'll record full-on demos in my room or wherever and, you know, use that as a template. And really, just the level of home recording has just shot up in the past few years. My first audio interface was, like, I got in, like, 2006. It was, like, a M-Audio Fast Track Pro. Oh, yeah. And it would just pick up round electrical noise. And it was just like, eee, hissing and everything. I'm like, oh, my God, this is awful. But it's, you know, the, all that stuff that is readily available, it's it's at the point for, you know, independent musicians. Like, I was actually listening to your Hellripper episode the other day, which nice. is really awesome. And I know he does everything on his own. And that's we're kind of like a hybrid of that. Like, it would be a hybrid of that for the next album. Because, like, right now, we're kind of doing that, except that we have three members as opposed to one. Right. Definitely. That whole culture, I guess, of music where they're pretty much just one band, one man bands or one person bands, I should say, that it, it blows me away because I can't play drums or program drums for shit. <laughs> and, I'm yeah, also, and I'm also one of the guys that sits there and it's like, I'll write a riff and I'll record the riff and then I'll like just let it sit there and won't do anything. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I'll try to record this and not practice it. <laughs> <laughs> so then it's like, you know, then it doesn't doesn't translate and I get pissed off at myself. But yeah, that whole <laughs> deal like uh the Hell Ripper episode, Oath, you know, even Trevor Church from Haunt, you know, these one man shows that are just like holy shit. I don't get how like I guess it's like to me it's it's just awe inspiring, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, and it really, I think it's also, you know, this day and age in 2021, like, it's not like the 80s or 90s anymore where you have, like, a lot of, you might know, like, 10 drummers, maybe, or, you know, you know, 20 guitar players, 20 bass players, like, not that many people actually play instruments these days, or a lot of folks just go like, oh, whatever, I'm just going to make electronic music, which is totally fine if that's what they're passionate about and what they want to do, but it's like, it's not uncommon, even here in Portland, you know a drummer and the drummer's in like six bands, you know, right. it's like, it's a very real thing. And it's like, that drummer is like, you know, really good, but also they have no personal life because they have to, you know, do so much of that. Definitely. And you know, the, the, the tech now, uh, it's really awesome. I mean, I remember hearing about, uh, edge of sanity's crimson two, which is one of my favorite albums. Like Dan Swano did most of that himself. And I was like, that's the coolest thing in the world. And that's like what inspired me to start like getting more into recording was that. 
to me, it's one of those things where it's like, I would love to be able to do that. I'm just not personally wired that way. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> yeah, and I would love to, like I said, I would love to be that way, but I'm not. And the thing with the drummer, yes, you're absolutely right. That drummer is in like six bands. Here in Louisville, we, it depends on what type of music you want to play. Like, if you're playing metal, then, yeah, you're going to have a lot of interchangeable members. But if you're like mm-hmm. in, a, in more of like a rock-oriented band, they seem to have their own lineup for each band, which is kind of cool, too. Yeah. All right. I also like to ask some general questions t- on the show. You know, uh, you said you listened to the Hell Ripper episode here a while back. I, I draw from a list. It could be anything. Okay. <laughs> Simple, like, what the, what the hell questions or really thought-provoking stuff. So the first question I, I'm going to draw here is, what's your favorite color? Uh, I personally do not have a favorite color because I cannot choose one. Spoken like a true mm. artist. <laughs> uh, my favorite color is red. Yeah, I'm going with Kevin on this. My favorite color is like red, like darkish red, blood red, blood red. Both of Kevin and Alex's cars are red. <laughs> yeah. Nice, nice. Blood red is always the is always the, the direction to go. That and green. <laughs> Green is a contender. Sorry. Definitely. Who do you wish you never saw alive? Oh, man, I can kick this. I'll, I'm going to kick this one off first. All right, man. So um, in tw- it's funny because we were talking about the big four shows. Um, in 2010, I saw Slayer and Megadeth at the Cow Palace. And that Megadeth show is quote-unquote legendary because they played My Last Word um, just like off the cuff. And they were playing Rest in Peace. Um, and they rushed through the whole album, which made me a mad boy. But the one that like really made me mad was Slayer. Now I, I, this was like one of the last shows of the original lineup. And I was just like, man, other than Carrie and Dave, like they just don't seem to care like at all. I really felt underwhelmed by the performance. And like Slayer is one of my all time favorite bands. They're probably now my favorite of the big four, but like I will. People will hear me bitch about that show, like, until the day I die. I'll second that. I saw them the last tour that they had done, and it seemed like the same thing. Uh, they had Paul Bostoff on drums at that point, and uh, Kerry seemed like, you know, he was the only other person who wasn't phoning it in. I mean, Gary was just mm-hmm. there, <laughs> Gary Holt was, but Tom was just like, nah, here it is. <laughs> yeah, so, I'm, so- I'm not down with that. I, I like at least... Oh, you know, a, a little bit of a fire and in, in when I go to a show. Right. All right, I got mine. So I saw Demon Borgir in San Francisco, and I was really disappointed when I saw them because they had a whole bunch of, like, background audio tracks playing. Like, I mean, I understood because they had such a, like, a full album of, like, symphony and choir, but, like, seeing it live, it was, like, so underwhelming. And just being like, oh, come on, really? Like, this is like, you could have just pushed play on the whole damn track at this point. <laughs> <laughs> they probably did. No. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't playing at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, okay. Mine is for the same reason, actually, is uh, Septic Flesh. Uh, I thought they were, it was a great, great band, great performance, but yeah, like half of the music was on the backing track, which mm. is, yeah, I, I wasn't super uh, impressed. What's your most embarrassing moment? Ever? Yeah, sure. Uh, here, I'll throw this one out as a little tidbit if anyone wants to check this out. So, what are our, like, we, yeah, like one of the bigger, one of the, one of the bigger shows we played was with, uh, Warbringer and Enforcer at the Hawthorne Theater here in Portland. And there was like this really awesome photographer who came out and took pictures of us. Um, 
my zipper is down in every single one of those pictures. And my girlfriend, like, when I got off stage, she was like, did you know your zipper was down? <laughs> and I was like, uh, no. <laughs> so if you look at those pictures and you zoom in close enough, it's just like fat open hole, like right there. And it's like, Aww. and those are like nice pictures too. Like, you know, that's what people always do. They zoom right in on Alex's crotch. Yeah. So it's just kind of big ball energy, you know? Okay. My most embarrassing moment was back in high school. It was a, it was a performance. Um, I was doing this opera solo um, for this whole auditorium of people was also broadcast on the local like channel and halfway through it was an Italian aria and halfway through I just like straight up forgot where I was in the song I had to like stop the pianist and be like um okay like I like, didn't know what to do I'm like can we just like start from a point and I, we might have just started over at that point but it was just so mortifying and then by the end of the performance, I like run off the wrong side of the stage and then I have to run back across the other side of the stage. And it was just like, Oh, oh my no, God. that is, <laughs> that is ridiculous. It was, it was the worst. <laughs> oh, that's almost like, the, that's almost like the, uh, uh, fucking up the intro of a song and having to start over after you've reached the first verse. Oh my oh, yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Most, most embarrassing. This is one that comes to mind. Actually. Uh, when we just did our uh, live stream in March, uh, we started playing, we started a live stream and my, uh, um, I was using an electronic drum set and it was not turned on. And so it w I had to, um, turn it on and then we, we fixed it, uh, with the magic of editing. Um, but of course for people who saw it live, um, you know, that was, you know, a, about a, a verse and a half with, uh, with no drums. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Technical difficulties. No, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Bill. What are you currently reading? Uh, I am, so I'm a, a big Warhammer nerd. Of course, our band is called Soul Grinder and we have some Warhammer lyrics, uh, you know, inspired lyrics, I should say. And I'm reading this book called, uh, Hell's Reach, um, which is about a, a doomed, you know, planet that's about to get invaded by a bunch of orcs. And we see, you know, what happens there. Nice. I haven't been reading much. I got to start The Old Man in the Sea. That's next on my list. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, yeah, I've actually just um, got an order of books. I'm going to be starting on Stranger in a Strange Land by Heinlein, which I have not read, so looking forward to that one. Definitely. Hell yeah. So some, except for the uh, the Warhammer stuff, some older stuff in there as well. With yeah, the, a little bit. With the, the Heinlein and the uh, Hemingway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're a band of culture, you know, fun cultured well, individuals. Yeah. Well, and I think, that, well, that, yeah, that's the thing is I think a, a lot of, you know, nor quote, normal people, people who don't get metal or listen to metal, think that we're a bunch of savages and, and we're stupid or something. And that's not always, that's nowhere near the case. We are cultured people. Oh, yeah. It, it's better that, that, that they underestimate us so we can sneak up on them. Exactly. <laughs> what instrument do you want to learn how to play? Okay, so I thought about this. Um, so my dream, uh, you know, is to be able to play a saxophone and, like, hang out in front of a Sears and just, like, hit them sexy sax, you know, sexy sax solos. But I think that's never going to happen because Sears are gone and I just don't <laughs> have the time to, like... <laughs> learn a saxophone and I don't, you know, I'm not going to find a place to live. I'm going to get kicked out and kicked out of the band if I'm practicing sax. <laughs> so, uh, on a practical scale, it would probably have to be drums because like, I don't understand drums and I'll just be like, Hey Kevin, just play a double bass for five minutes, you know, <laughs> like a, like a realistic human being. <laughs> 
you almost had me there when when you said in front of a Sears. I was like, you have Sears there still? Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our Sears at the Lloyd Center is gone. It's just a husk of a building. <laughs> oh yeah, they're still trying to rent our building out. That was a Sears. <laughs> <laughs> I think for my instrument, I've always really been into like the harp or the violin, just other string instruments. But like, I don't know if I will ever invest in lessons. Understand. <laughs> but I think they're just they're beautiful instruments, and like the tones are so rich and deep. But we'll see. Maybe when I'm fifty. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So uh, first, I just like to say, you know it. I, I can definitely see Alex adding some sax into Soul Grinder. You know, make it like uh, like an Eson album, you know, kind of thing. It could be pretty heavy. But um, I don't know. If I were to learn another instrument, I'd probably go for a cello, you know, something moody like that. Definitely. Um, yeah, might as well go for it. For sure. Because, again, you know, it, it comes back to the culture aspect of it, where we were talking a second ago, is finding out what other things would be, what other instruments would be good in your current project. Because you never know what's going to accent anything unless you can actually put it in there. For sure. Definitely. Maybe we'll start a classical band next. There you go. <laughs> sure. I always wanted to record... <laughs> a cover of Ace of Spades and put all of the high-end uh, uh, guitar parts in the verses as, as horn instruments. Ooh, and, yeah, and, and it, but then again, it, it almost turns into a ska song. And I was like, mm, I don't know if I, should, I don't know if we should do it that way. <laughs> I, I, dude, lead the fourth wave of ska. Just bring it back. And be the one to lead the charge. Motorhead ska. Just record oh, all yeah. of the high end and and trumpets and and saxes and trombones oh, and God. just and go for it. <laughs> yeah, you know that's 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 the flavor of uh, the future of the now is the no more genres. We're into ska motorhead crossover. Hey, it could probably sell millions of copies. Yeah. Uh -huh. And oh. and, and yeah. everybody heard it here first. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what is the worst album by your favorite band? Oh man, I got this. So my favorite band is Iron Maiden and uh I don't think this is going to be really a hot take if people are going to go, "Huh? Uh The Final Frontier." Uh their 2010 album. Uh my nickname for it is Get to the Goddamn Song Already because <laughs> I feel like every single song has a 5 minute intro. And, um, you know, I know some people would be like, oh, Virtual Eleven or X Factor. And it's like, I like the Blaze stuff. It's right. not my favorite, but I can, I can rock with it. Like, um, but other than Final Frontier, there's no other Iron Maiden album that I just like outright hate. I either absolutely love it or I'm like, eh, it's fine. But like, man, that album, fuck that album. Unfortunately, I'm not too big on much of their, uh, millennial mirror stuff you got brave new world and then it's just kind of like meh to me <laughs> after that until yeah they i think kevin shirley just like runs the board but doesn't be like hey guys um you can't just repeat the name of the song eight times and call it a song like you need <laughs> right. to actually kind of tone this down a bit and steve harris just tells him to shut up and yeah. he just goes you know go back to his corner he's like i write the songs here and yeah yeah I and kicks the soccer ball <laughs> yes. My, mine is Heritage by Opeth. Oh, fuck that album. We're, so we're all like, we're all super Opeth fans. Like prior to Heritage, that section of Opeth, like we all like kind of, when we first all met, um, we all like bonded over our love of Opeth. And um, when that album came out, it like, 
I didn't even want to listen to it because I knew it was going to be so different. And apparently I've heard it a bunch of times and every time I listen to it, it is 0% memorable. Like I still think like sometimes I'm like, I've never heard that album, but like I've heard it a lot and it's just like, it's so, it's so different from what, it's what, what the band sounds. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not what Opeth was. They definitely changed their direction fully with it. Um, and I, it's just like, it's like a heartbreak, you know, right. it's like, Oh, you betrayed us. <laughs> right. It just, it just, for some reason, doesn't do it for you anymore. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, you, Kevin. Uh, well, uh, April took mine. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, devil fuck heritage. <laughs> yeah. Well, sure. yeah, I mean, yeah, the, I definitely tried to listen to that album a lot, but, um, you know, I don't think it's necessarily a bad album, you know, just as, you know, as, as what it is, but it's not, uh, what, you know, it's not what we had come to expect. And it's definitely something missing in the, in the formula there um it just doesn't have like the strength of uh, previous releases so yeah definitely um heritage was disappointing um and i've definitely put it on uh, many times for april and then um she just does not remember which is <laughs> not a good uh, not a good sign for album so <laughs> right because that was kind of uh i, I don't want to say like mid-career for them because you know they've been around forever what about anything after that album are you fans of anything after it it's too much goddamn organ <laughs> i mean it, they're they're like a completely different band at this point like right. you know i almost everybody left except Ackerfeld and their bass player but like man you can just tell martin lopez and mendez just are not in that band anymore and the feel is different and it's you know with their latest album i was like this is good but it's not for me like that's the point i've like reached my peace with it and it's just like yeah that we got those first eight albums we love them we know them but yeah that's that's my take on it i haven't given them a chance since <laughs> understandable i mean yeah because you say that everybody pretty much left and that's the truth because They've pretty much only had like 20 members. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Just one good thing about the metal archives is some stuff that is inaccurate. There is a lot that is still pretty close. There is one thing I want to get on the record about our metal archives. It says that April and Kevin are from Auburn, Alabama. They are from Auburn, California. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I'm just I'm here to yeah, make these true. corrections and get yeah. on point. <laughs> yeah. That, that is one thing too, that I've noticed. Like there's some weird stuff that go on with that because there's a band from this area in the Louisville, Kentucky area. And I was like, why don't they have a fucking page on here? And I go to type it in and, mm -hmm. I go to in and I've got an account to where I can upload bands to it. And as I'm putting in their name and I go to hit the save button, it says this band has been banned from this list. Oh, no. <laughs> so uh -oh. Yeah, and I was like, what the fuck? I wonder what they did. <laughs> like the Violet Graveyard or something? No, no, I don't know. I mean, it was, I don't know. I, I want to know. I want to ask the guy. I was like, dude, why Why don't you have a Metal Archive page? How come you're, how come they don't let, won't let you list your band on there? What did you do? <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, hang out for a minute. We're going to be coming right back again with April, Kevin, and Alex from Soul Grinder. Hey guys, Wrestling Steve of the Wrestling Steve Show here. Uh, so if you're currently listening to the Metal Forge with Mark Jackson, then you understand that Mark Jackson has a pretty discerning taste when it comes to music as a whole. You also understand that he has a discerning taste for professional wrestling, just like me. The, my show is called The Wrestling Steve Show. Uh, I talk about modern and classic pro wrestling in a completely unbiased, unfiltered way. Be sure to check me out on all available podcasting platforms. That is the Wrestling Steve Show. And I am the host, Wrestling Steve. Just remember, 
like like Confucius said, uh, man who goes through turnstile in Thailand uh, is going to Bangkok. Pro wrestling. Hey everybody, thank you for tuning into the Metal Forge this week. I really appreciate every last one of you that listens. But before I go any further, I do want to tell you that we do have a Patreon page here. And there's three tiers. There's the Dion and Dirty Dollar tier. It's just a buck. Hey, you're not going to miss a buck. Nobody does. Then there's the $5 Showstoppers tier, which you get a patch, stickers, whatever we have that's in that price range. And then there's the $20 a month Master, where you can get a t-shirt, any size, any color of the Metal Forge logo. Fuck yeah. That's awesome stuff. Oh, and by the way, if you donate on there, guess what? You get the show two days in advance from everybody else. Thank you all so much. It's patreon.com slash metalforgeradio. Check it out and donate today. I love you guys. Thank you. What's your favorite word? Oh, uh, you know what? I know this because my girlfriend, would. she's going to put it in the vowels. It's uh, <laughs> after I slam the toilet seat down. Like that's, that is like April and Kevin have heard me go. Uh, so many times in the past four years that I think they're just numb to it. And I know it's not really a word, but I, I got to go with that. Definitely. It captures the moment. Yeah, it truly does. <laughs> oh my, this is quite the question. I've never thought about my favorite word. Um, I can go. I'll give you a moment. Um, yeah, my definitely my most used word is shit. Um, it's a word that, you know, it works in a lot of different situations. It usually describes how I'm feeling or, you know, what's going on. So, I, I, that, yeah, I'll take shit as my final answer. Right on. Definitely. It, it is extremely versatile. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I feel like tantalizing is a really juicy word. Nice. So I'll go with tantalizing. <laughs> right on. It is. It's aesthetically pleasing, I guess, if a word can be aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, sexy. Tingly on the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It just, it just rolls off. <laughs> What food can you not stand? Oh, dude, I can't eat fish, like, at all. I cannot eat fish. And my brother was a sushi chef for, like, a super nice restaurant. One time he, like, he, he, like, made this really nice sushi dish for me. And I was like, sorry, man, I can't do it. I can't take the texture. I can't take the smell. And he, like, almost stabbed me right there. <laughs> like, so, like, that's my go-to, man, is fish. I can't do it. So at least it's not from being uh, allergic or anything. Yeah, I just, I don't, man, I just don't like that jiggly feeling in my mouth, you know? <laughs> Um, I, 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 I don't like gizzards unless they're like hidden in stuffing. Like gizzards are like liver and heart. Yeah. I, I do not want to eat that raw or I guess not raw, but he's cooked. I don't want it. Don't want just don't it. want to eat it at all. I get it. Ugh, gross. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I'm really surprised Alex didn't go with Dijon mustard, but she's oh, been a fuck out of war with Dijon mustard. Yeah. I've almost burned places down for putting Dijon mustard on my burger. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'll yeah, I'm surprised you didn't go with that one. I got a lot of hate. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I'll, I'll eat um, most things, almost anything. Um, I do not like black licorice. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. But by that rationale, do you drink Jaeger? Um, you know, I will drink Jaeger if it is ice cold. <laughs> right, because and it have, loses, uh, the ta- it loses a little bit of the taste. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it goes down pretty smooth if, if it's icy enough. Um, and, and I will eat uh, things with, like, fennel, which is similar taste. Right. But, yeah, black licorice by itself, no, nah, that's. <laughs> yeah, there. I can completely relate to that. That's well, gross. What is something you've always wanted to do, but you're not coordinated enough to do? Um, I mean, play 
drums probably for me <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll just go with that i can't yeah i'm not coordinated enough for it understand um sport i can't do sports i've tried a lot of sports but i feel like i'm also really distracted when i play sports like sports aren't my bag so right. i'm but i'm not like i really want i did softball when i was a kid but then i just got really bad at it like i couldn't catch the ball anymore and like i was like oh fuck well fuck this i guess i'm not a sports person anymore <laughs> Definitely. Uh, for me, not co- definitely not coordinated enough to draw to draw things. Do you believe in the paranormal? Uh, no, I do not. I like paranormal ideas, like ideas, like, but I haven't felt like I've had any paranormal experiences, so I kind of like it as a fantasy. I don't know. I feel like I, I like when people like tell me their personal stories. I don't, I don't doubt them or think like, oh, you're full of shit. But I just kind of like hearing hearing about the magic. Right on. Yeah, I, I believe in the uh, possibility of the paranormal. Um, I, yeah, I love uh, hearing about um, like weird, like ghost stories, like folk tales and stuff. And um, I, I like hearing uh, lots of ghost stories to kind of hear like a pattern. Uh, I re- recently read the book uh, Poltergeist by Colin Wilson, which is kind of um, just like uh, it, it's a pretty dry study on poltergeist, which is kind of cool because he goes in and finds the uh, the facts. Um, objectively and kind of lays them out in, into a way where you can kind of infer patterns without actually saying like this happened or, or this ghost was real or not. But no, I really like the, um, you know, just the, the idea of it and kind of the, um, the, the mind game of thinking of, of what these things could be. Yeah. It definitely opens up another, no pun intended, another world, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It helps with lyric writing. Definitely. All right. I got a few more questions here. Just a couple more. But before I ask them, how do people get a hold of you guys? How can they purchase music? How can they find out more about Soul Grinder? So we have our website, uh, soulgrinderofficial.com. And that actually takes you to our new website. Uh, it redirects you to marrowgate.com. And Marrowgate is a website that Kevin and I recently started um, as a means to list our music plus our art and our we have some friends bands music for sale on there as well so we've kind of we're kind of just building this online web store web presence through marrowgate and that is where you can um, buy our shirts and our posters we uh we don't list through Bandcamp, so all our physical merchandise is at marrowgate.com right on if you want to email us you can get a hold of us at uh, soulgrinderofficial at gmail.com right on and as always links will be in the description below so click those Find out more about Soul Grinder. Go buy some merch. Go buy some CDs. Enjoy it. Yeah, and and uh, check out our music videos on YouTube. Uh, they're all up there. What song or band do you never want to hear again? I can, I can answer that one. Uh, Sweet Child of Mine, because um, I listen to the radio driving around in my work truck uh, during the day, and it is on like 19 times a day. And uh, it's a great song, don't get me wrong, but... It plays all day. Even here. Probably Gucci Gang by Little Pump, just because it's annoying and I hate it. Wasn't expecting that, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> I had to go deep. <laughs> what you got, April? Exactly. If April knew, like, if April knew songs on Heritage, she'd probably be one of them. I don't know. Um, oh, my Lord. Oh, I know. Um, fuck. <laughs> What's that fucking singer? This is pop artist. Call me maybe. Oh, Kylie Ray Jackson or Carly Ray. Carly Ray Jackson. I don't ever <laughs> need to hear that song. I could do without ever hearing that song again. Right on. I I can definitely relate. Uh, 
<laughs> for sure. Not not a big pop fan here personally. Yeah, I don't think we're really pop people ourselves. No. So. <laughs> All right. So the last question, and I always reserve a a deep question here for for the last. And I'm going to go a little bit of a different way this time. What is the worst advice you've ever received? Oh man. Um you know what? The thing that comes to me immediately is my aunt had this boyfriend who told me that if I wanted to play music for the rest of my life, I need to start playing country music and I should never play metal. <laughs> Can I go ahead and say fuck that guy? Yeah, no, fuck that guy. Straight <laughs> up. I was about to say, yeah, I've been there, done that, received that advice myself and fuck that. You know, people will play. Yeah, because like, like, if you're not doing what you're passionate about, what's the point? I agree. You know, there's a I was watching a special a long time ago. And it was uh, it was about Garth Brooks, and he was a failed rock musician as well. And because he he just couldn't make it as a rock musician, so he started playing country. And he and when he went to Nashville, he he was told, you know, if you want to make money in music, play country. And it's just like you know that's that's a cop out and that's bullshit, you know, because <clears throat> we all have touring friends, and they you know. I'm pretty sure that, you know, they live comfortably. Yeah, and I mean, the other thing is, too, is if you're like, okay, I'm going to take that advice and I'm going to, like, go in a country, like, just imagine how ridiculously competitive, like, Nashville is with country music stars. Oh, yeah. And I'm pretty sure it's like metal where they can tell if you're not into it. Like, if you're not passionate about the style, they're probably like, oh, fuck this guy. Because, like, I mean, Garth Brooks, yeah, he has sold tons of albums right but also garth brooks came up during a time where there was like a way resurgence. less competition right yeah and there was a there was a country resurgence for sure fuck that advice <laughs> yeah seriously thank you guys oh uh, i'm still i'm still thinking um i don't know you know i, I can't really think of just off the top of my head uh bad advice necessarily received i try not to you know give unsolicited advice and and I'm not sure I've received a whole lot of unsolicited advice. I feel like I would just like think of like an amalgamation of people just like doubters, like mm-hmm. like like Alex's situation, like where people are like, "Oh, you need to do this, you need to do that," and it's like, right. "I need to not listen to you and your opinion because thank you, but goodbye." <laughs> right. Uh, I don't want to like. You, what do you know? You're not living my experience. Like you had your life. Like let me do my like. People who are just like straight up naysayers. Definitely. Like you Tox- know, you don't need. Nobody needs that. <laughs> toxic people to the uh, to the umpteenth uh, power there. Yeah, isn't Kevin? Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of if, if there was a time when somebody recommended something at Taco Bell that ended up being bad or something like that. But honestly, <laughs> like everything I've had from Taco Bell has been pretty good. It's all the same three ingredients. You know, yeah, let me tell you the fried, the fried, the cheese fried chalupa thing, not popping. It's not mm-hmm. great. Yeah. But, you but, know. but you would tell me that you wouldn't, you wouldn't like lead me astray. Yeah. I would be like, Hey yeah. man, this is the best thing they've got. And then ruin your day. We know how important Taco Bell is in this household. Yeah. You know, got me through college, you know, yeah. gotten us through our first couple of years. Heaven is never too far away when you've got Taco Bell down the street. <laughs> very, very true. And yeah, it, <laughs> Here it's it's either Taco Bell or uh, you don't have them out there that I know of White Castle. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. the The only time I've been to White Castle is when we did a stop in Las Vegas when we were uh, on tour down the West Coast, and it was off the Vegas Strip. And like uh, I tried it, it was pretty damn good. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> not that many west of the Mississippi River, so there, are, mm-hmm. but they're they're more of a. Midwest to Northeast restaurant. Yeah, there's none in the South really either. 
So, for sure. April, Kevin, Alex, thank you all for coming on the show today. I appreciate it, and I am totally looking forward to some new material, even though you said it was probably going to be towards the end of the year, which, you know, is kind of sad, but... It's it's I'm sure it's gonna I'm sure it's gonna be awesome. You're gonna release as as uh as things get recorded. I I mean that's what pretty much everybody does, right? They record and well, you know, yeah, and put out a single here to, and there. Just to give you uh a, well, I got a little surprise, which is there is a new song that we are working for um for a film that is currently in production, and we're going to do a track for that movie. So you will hear at least one new Soul Grinder song shortly. We're not exactly sure on the timeline. And we're also doing, we're going to be doing previews of our new material throughout the year um, and recording at, uh, at least play alongs and things and showing small sections. Um, you know, because we have all the rights to the music, um, we can share it. Definitely. So, um, yeah, just keep, keep, uh, yeah, post it on our social media. Um, we'll have everything up there and on YouTube. Definitely. And again, yep. the links will be listed below for the, all the social media links, the, the Facebooks, the Instagrams, any of that stuff will be listed below. So off of the prophecy of blight, what do y'all want to play on the way out today? Hunting the prophecy. Yeah. What was it? Hunting the prophecy. Yeah. We can go with that one. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Here it is. This is the second track off of the prophecy of blight. This is hunting the prophecy.
Musicians rejoice. Confused with all the modern and technical pedal board selections? Look no further. Kentucky Hot Brown Pedal Boards offer their homemade wooden and custom pedal boards for guitarists and bassists alike. Established in 2013, KYHBPB has helped support not only the local Louisville scene, but a large array of big and small players from across the entire country. More info can be found at KentuckyPedalBoards.com.